0: Welcome to Alligator Preserves, a weekly podcast about revealing yourself through storytelling, story reading, and story writing, but probably not story arithmetic, because that's not a thing. You just might surprise yourself with the secrets you'll uncover. Hello, curious listeners. I'm Laurel McCarg, and you're listening to Alligator Preserves. I do hope you enjoyed meeting my father... In my last episode, where you heard my dad's World War II training boot camp experience through a personal letter he had written home, I told you that this next one would be it's about something completely different, and it is today you will meet our dog, Ranger, another in the cast of characters in my life, many, many characters in my life, and Ranger came to us about four years ago, and he's about seven now. He's a big old German shepherd dog, but first. Let me tell you about being raised in a family with five girls, with parents, a mother and a father who had no interest in having extra pets other than their children. My mother in particular loved babies far more than any pet she could ever imagine, probably because she knew her babies would someday grow up and leave. (laughs) Anyway, I do remember some first early free pets we had. There was a silver dollar-sized turtle I brought home from school with a little sharp-edged shell, and I remember it. it he smelled kind of funny. I don't know if it was a he or a she. Who knows, right? Uh, smelled a little bit funny, tickled me like crazy when I would lift him up and his little feet would come out and go like crazy, probably trying to escape from me, probably smart. And then I remember hearing something about diseases. I think my mom was probably told something about turtles, having diseases. And so that little guy or gal was set free one day in the backyard, I'm pretty sure. Then, of course, there was the free goldfish. How many of you did not bring home a free goldfish in a plastic bag with water from a county fair, perhaps, or maybe from your local pet shop when they were trying to get rid of all their goldfish? We had that goldfish for a while, probably named it something really, really unique, like, like Goldie, I think. (laughs) My mom was the one who was responsible for, or took responsibility for cleaning the little bowl it was in because we were too small at the time to be trusted with such a responsibility. I recall her removing the fish with a big old ladle-sized tablespoon and to, to and putting it into another bowl to, uh, to clean its habitat. Until one day I came home from school and there was no more fish in the bowl. Mom said something to the effect that it had jumped from the spoon in an attempt to escape. And she just, she just couldn't fish it out of the, uh, the sink drain so I guess Goldie was set free too at at a certain point. Let's see, there were two little, two little kittens who lost their mittens. <laughs> uh, my beautiful baby sister's boyfriend gave her two little kittens once. And I just remember thinking, oh, how lucky we could be to have two little kittens until I came home one day and my mother was totally frazzled after the little kittens had climbed up brand new curtains she had made for our living room, so those adorable little fluff balls were gone too the next day, if not that very same night. Oh, we babysat a parakeet for a friend for a while, and what a mess birds can be, right? The bird feed seeds flying all over the kitchen floor, having to change that really scratchy sandpaper kind of thing at the bottom of their cage, that didn't smell very good either from what I can remember. My parents were quite happy when her friends came home and we gave the bird back. That, however, did not stop my husband and me from getting a cockatiel bird early in our marriage. Don't ask me why. It It was a thing at the time. And, uh, we, we named that little cockatiel Lamont and he was pretty cute and easy to care for until a friend of ours told us how smart cockatiels were and that he was going to teach it how to do a trick. Well, I think he was trying to teach it how to stand on its head. Birds don't like to stand on their heads. All I can say is that Lamont was never quite the same after that lesson. Um, we had a koi pond when we lived in Virginia. I spent a lot of time in the koi pond cleaning it. And, uh, that was, those were kind of, kind of neat creatures. We also had an indoor fish tank too. Something about fish in my life. And of course, one of my novels, my fantasy adventure series has a lot to do with water and fish. Maybe, maybe there's a thing there. I don't know. Anyway. Our first actual family pet, when the kids were quite young, was a beautiful little German shepherd puppy. Now, I wasn't necessarily convinced that we should have a dog, but we lived in kind of an isolated place, and my husband had grown up with German shepherds, and he he ultimately convinced me that we needed to have, you know, kind of a guard dog with the kids around. So the neighbors had just had a a, a litter of little german shepherds and we went over and this little black ball of fluff came running up to me and about 8 weeks later we brought gunter home well knowing that he was going to be eventually a very large scary-looking black german shepherd dog i wanted to make sure that he was well trained never having had dogs myself So I went to the library and brought home about eight books on dog training, read them all, and they ranged from really, really horrible, horrible, I would say almost sadistic techniques for training dogs, to the very best one I could recommend anyone who might have a new puppy and want to raise it right. The book is called The Art of Raising a Puppy by the Monks of New Skeet. There were uh, monks in New York who specifically raised and trained German shepherds. Well, that book was just great, and our little Gunther learned beautifully, and we had him for nine years. He was a wonderful dog. Um, after his death, I returned to full-time work and didn't have time for another dog, even though we thought about it. And I did have a teacher friend who would continually send me pictures from the local German Shepherd Rescue League and I of course would say no 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 I I'm I'm too busy I, it's not fair to to have a dog if you're not going to be around it and to train it so one day when she knew that I was working from home full time working on my writing my books she sent a photo of a dog named Ranger and it was just such a beautiful photo he looked so sweet so we, we decided we will go and just take a look at him. We wouldn't make any decisions. And of course, Ranger came home with us, and he's just been a crazy, sweet, beautiful, big old, gorgeous dog. So last year, in, in one of my writing groups, one of my writers, Greg Mead, was working on making a boat for the lakes around here in Colorado, and he pretty much told us, don't get a boat. Now, we all knew that he loved working on the boat, and he loved his boat. And so the idea that he was trying to tell us not to get one gave me the idea to write a little piece called Don't Get a Dog. And I will share some uh, excerpts from that essay, if you would allow me to. So when we first got Ranger, he he really acted bizarre. He acted really weird. And and the first paragraph I write says, he won't trust you. And you know, one of the reasons you shouldn't get a dog, everything about his new home will stress him out and it'll take months before he's even brave enough to step into the room where you and your family are watching TV at night. When he does muster up the courage to join you, he's in and out before you even have time to say, good boy. It'll take another month or so before he'll come into that room and lie down near you. It'll take far longer before he actually looks comfortable resting near you. It'll be so frustrating waiting for that moment to happen. And that's, that's what he did. I mean, four years later, he comes in mainly because he knows that we eat in there sometimes and he might get a treat, (laughs) an empty bowl to lick. Speaking of licking, he'll lick you with a tongue that's been in unmentionable places. It'll just be a little lick. You might even call it surreptitious, but it'll happen. You won't want him to lick you because it'll mean he's grown fond of you. And who needs that kind of pressure? Then I talk a little bit about grooming. I know some dogs don't like to be brushed, but uh, (laughs) Ranger absolutely loves it. He'll flop on his back and positively moan in, in appreciation when I brush him. It's really pretty funny. But Sometimes he'll whimper in the dark of night, just when you're in the middle of a good dream. This will force you to look over at him because you'll want him to stop whimpering and you'll see his feet twitching spasmodically and hear his breathing fast and shallow. You can only guess he's trying to get away from a previous owner, someone who may have abused him or found some lame reason to throw him away. Or maybe he's running away from other angry dogs who've never known a gentle hand. In any case, he'll interrupt your sleep, and who needs that? He'll almost always watch you while you're eating with a look that says, I'd like a salami and cheese cracker too, please, even though you've just fed him. You won't give him your salami and cheese cracker, of course, but he'll make you feel as though you should. It'll take you a long time to train him to understand that uh uh-uh means this is my salami and cheese cracker I just fed you, go lie down. He'll flop on his bed in the corner of the room, but he'll still sneak a look at you. What a nag. Then I talk about potential accidents your new puppy might have in your house until you get smart enough to put a dog door in and it really doesn't take them long to learn how to use those dog doors. He'll poke his cold nose in your face early in the morning while you're still in your warm bed. It'll startle you awake, and then you'll be face to face with his mischievous brown eyes and those ears sticking straight up, and you'll see his long tail wagging tentatively at first, then faster when he sees the grin you're trying to stifle. And then he'll poke his nose in your face again and you'll be forced to get out of bed or at least stick your hand out from under those warm covers so he can flip it up on top of his head for a good morning ear scratch. What a drag. (laughs) And it gets pretty chilly here in Leadville. I go on to talk about expectations and how he'll expect you to walk and Ranger absolutely loves walking in any weather He's the, a big goofball when it's snowing out. He'll bound through the snow and flip it up into the air. I talk about how the, they'll demand your attention and one uh, incident where I, I had a glass of red wine in my right hand, the hand which he decided he would flip up for a little pet. And of course, red wine all over my white short shirt and there were some sounds of consternation, shall we say. Then of course he tucked his tail between his legs and looked up at me cautiously, timidly. And if this has happened to you, you know, they'll do this until you finally do pet him on the head and tell him it's okay. You were the guilty one for holding wine in a hand clearly meant for petting. (laughs) He'll look at you. He'll do this often and he'll expect you to look back at him. When this happens, you'll be forced to feel something you don't want to feel. You'll be forced to feel a connection with the being behind the honey-brown eyes. You might even feel his love for you. He'll make you laugh, especially when you don't want to. If he senses you're sad, he'll probably whine like a little baby, then he'll nudge you. You'll push him away because it's your right to wallow in your own sorrow when you want to, but he'll come back and nudge you again. He'll do this until you finally give in and give him what he wants, your hand on his soft fur, and you'll have to pet him until he feels better. You'll probably never be able to cry alone. And then I talk about the, the biggest reason why you shouldn't get a dog is because He'll die before you do, and those of you who have had beloved pets and have lost them, you know what I'm talking about. So I wrote that, obviously tongue-in-cheek, um, and got some interesting comments back. Um, I belong to SEPA, the Colorado Independent Publishers Association, and one of the members, Mike Daniels, shared with me Rudyard Kipling's poem, The Power of the dog. And I would really highly recommend that if you have a pet, if you haven't read it yet, it might make you cry. I'll I'll post a link to that on my, on my webpage. So this is the point in my podcast where I would brainstorm about pets. Now, some of you listening might have never had a pet. I'd be really interested in hearing what you would come up with, with the idea of current pet, your current pet or pets, or ones that you've had in the past, or if you don't own any? What do you think about people who own pets? I never really, and here's a confession, I never really considered myself a pet person. I can appreciate a cute cat video, dog video, pet video as much as the next person, but I'll tell you, I will continue to roll my eyes when I'm at the airport and I see people with their comfort lizards or or whatever comfort animals they're allowing nowadays. And I will secretly judge dog owners who believe everything their little dust mock dogs do is so cute. I think some people who have really, really small pets don't think they need to train them because they're cute. And dogs in particular are pack animals. And even a teeny little dog will become alpha and uh, can be quite aggressive, or at least the monks of New Skeet taught me that. Our son Jake brought home two tiny little puppy mutts this past Christmas, and even though they tormented Ranger, he eventually learned how to play with them, and they were quite adorable. So I don't know, I'm probably not actually a pet person per se, and I guess the secret is out. Now I'll never be invited to be on the Ellen DeGeneres show her videos. If you follow her on Instagram, oh my gosh, she has amazing videos. You will definitely want to watch. They're pretty good. So maybe there's a part of me that really wants to be a pet person. I'll just, I'll say I'm, 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 I'm an average pet person. (laughs) I'd like to know who you are, what you are with your pets and what you think about them. If you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe to Alligator Preserves on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcast, and tell your friends about it. I would really love to hear your comments and I'll do my best to respond. You can find my show notes with links and photos on my website at com, And join me next time when I will discuss words of warning signs. And it's about a time I completely embarrass myself. I mean, totally embarrass myself at a campground. So that, that will be coming up next. I do love words. Signs are interesting. And this one, oh gosh, I'll just, I'll just say, come and, come and visit me for the, for the next one. And you'll learn something else about me. (laughs) Until next time then, beware of what you put on your toast. Bye. Alligator Preserves is hosted and produced by Laurel McCard, with technical support provided by her husband, Mike McCard. Follow her on her website at leadvillelorel.com where she writes about life, real, and imagined. If you enjoyed this podcast, you might enjoy her books. Find her work at amazon.com.